You can turn over to Daniel chapter 1 for just a minute, and I'll try to stand still. I walk around in the class because everybody's closer, and I, I know I've got to stay close to this mic, but I'll try to. Try to. Uh, I want to start over in Daniel chapter 1 here in a minute, but I want to go back and, and, and tell you where we're going for just a minute and uh, how God has blessed me with, a, uh, with another job. And, and I, uh, I work for the state now, and, and I've, I've been putting up road signs, and, uh, and I've been there about a month. And, and Brother Travis said I put up about four signs in a month, but that's, that's not true. I put up a few more, maybe six or seven. But anyway, these signs, and, these, and I, I ride on a paint truck some, and no, I didn't make this mess at Walmart about a, two or three weeks ago. We was over in Bristol, so I'll go ahead and clarify. But I am very thankful for my job, and uh, God's blessed me with it, and be able to work for the state of Tennessee. And uh, it's a blessing to serve the community, and I really didn't realize it when I got there, but for the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, serving uh, our state uh, has really spoke to my heart by putting these signs up. And these signs have started kind of preaching to me. And through the, I guess, last couple of weeks that we've been putting them up, I, I noticed where they're at. And I, I, uh, first one I was telling the class is about a stop sign. You know, you see one and, and you don't think much about it, but when you go to put it up and you see why it's there, and uh, it's, it means just to stop, stop. You know, you ever thought about the Holy Spirit in your life as uh, he convicts you about something? That's what we're going to teach on tonight, just conviction. I want to start with just conviction tonight. But, you know, in our nation, uh, there's really no hope without conviction. When the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart and I was lost and I asked him to come into it, that's when my hope started. I had an eternal hope. I had a, 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 a hope in, my, in, in eternity. I had a hope in my life. I had something to live for. Well, our younger generation don't have that. It's been took from them. Because of, uh, you know, convictions. They're not there now. But as I, like I said, the, the, this road sign, it just kind of preached to me. Stop. The Holy Spirit of God, every now and then, he'll say, Chad, I want you to stop this. Just stop it. Don't do it no more. And, you know, uh, you can disregard that old sign, but if you run through it, there's a chance you could get hurt. There's a chance you can hurt somebody else. You know, the Holy Spirit of God, when he, he asks us to stop, it may not be for our own good. It may be for the generation behind us. That stop, God, stop. I mean, stop doing it. I don't know what it is in your life, but God has made me and convicted me of some things in my heart I had to stop. I just had to stop doing it. I told the class, uh, you know, we got children sometimes, and, and God will say, I want you to stop this in your home. It may not be for you and your wife. It may not be for your grandparents. It may be for them little grandbabies God's telling you to stop doing what you're doing. So that sign started teaching to me a little bit. You know, and I, I went down, and, and you see speed limit signs. And I told the class, I, I said, I drive up Stony Creek. I, I get so frustrated at a 40-mile-an-hour zone in a, in a four-lane. But it, it, the Lord said, no, Chad, that's good. If it was fixed, uh, 50, you'd run 60. And that's the truth. But, Jerry, I'd run 60 if it said 50. And you know what happened? Some of them little old saints of God that lives up through there for all their life, as long as they live, they backed out in the road up there. And you know what I'd do? I'd probably run over one of them. But it's a good thing it's 40. Because every 20 foot up that road, there's a driveway, Brother Tommy. There's a thousand from here to your house in Dry Hollow. And if it was 60 mile an hour, I guarantee you, or 50 mile an hour, I'd run 60. And that's just the way we are. 
But you ever notice the Holy Spirit of God every now and then? He says, I want you to go at this pace in your life. And he's convicting you about something. I don't want you to go no faster. You can't handle it. You ever thought about the speed limit on the mountain? You're coming down through there and it says 15 mile an hour and you say, I believe I can make that curve at 20. Well, you may not. You may not. It's there for a reason, that 15 mile an hour sign. That's why you see uh, a tow truck go up and down the road a lot because he's getting them coming off that curve up there because they had to go 25 or 30. But the Holy Spirit of God, he, he, he puts these things in our life, these convictions. These signs started teaching to me. And I want to go over to Daniel chapter 1 in a minute, but I want to talk about one. That, and there's more. There's right-hand turns and left-hand turns, and there's, there's caution signs, and, and, and there's marker signs. I'll tell you a good one on me and Shelly. When we, we had the kids was little, and we had one of them minivans, and we was going to take off to Florida. And I was working graveyard then. I'll never forget it. And uh, she said, Honey... I'm going to drive until we get down to South Carolina, and then you can wake up and drive. I said, that sounds good. So I get off the graveyard shift, and I get in the van with her. And here we go. And this is, this is, this is pretty funny. I, I woke up, and I raised my eye up one time, and I seen this church. And I said, we're in Asheville. I know where we're at. About 30, 45 minutes later, I think I dozed off, and I woke up again, and I seen that same church. I said, hey, honey. She said, yeah, I said, I, I, I'm not for sure, but... I seen that church over. I said, second time. She said, no, it's the third time we passed it. So whoever put the sign up didn't put it up right. But I, I thought that was a good one. But the, the lesson I want to give you, it's going to be short tonight. It's on the, the detour of life, that detour sign. That convicted my heart. And I want to tell you the story behind it. This lesson, I won't finish tonight. I may finish it Sunday if the Lord allows me to, and if he don't give us something else before then, but that sign detour sign. Man, God puts them in front of us all the time. We're, we're going down the highway of life, and, and it's so smooth, and all of you say, a detour sign, and you go, oh, no. The kids in the back said, oh, no, another hour before we get to where we're going. And you know there's not a bathroom there, and when you've got three girls in the back seat, that's a bad thing. And you know there's not no gas station on this detour. But the detours of life sometimes God puts in our way makes us stronger. It does things in our life for us. We can be going along and everything's smooth and all of a sudden you have to, God says, I want you to take this detour. And that convicted me. And uh, Brother John Bradley and, and Miss Gail bought me a book on the detours of life. And it, it was amazing I, I'd been praying about this job God gave me, and I went and worked, and I was putting up signs. I come home one day, and I started reading that book, and on the very front of that book was a sign on that book that I'm putting up. It's like the Holy Spirit of God says, I told you you're doing the right thing. And that touched my heart. But this detour sign, I'm going to go to Daniel, and I want us to start reading in chapter 1, and we're just going to read a little bit, and we're going to try to get through this. I want you to pray for me. I... I Really, if I'm standing in there in that classroom on uh, Sunday morning, I'm nervous, but not, not this bad. And I, I want God to help me. But this detour sign. Uh, and I'm going to say this. I'm teaching tonight, and this lesson's for you and God's people. If there's ever a day that we need conviction in our life, it's today. If we ever need things out of our life, not just for our life, but for the next generation, it's today. It's today. 
Brother Frank, that little grandson, I, I, I'm thinking about that age. You know, when I was that size boy, I don't understand it, but it seemed like every time I went to the house of God, the altar was full of little mothers and grandmothers crying. Dads and moms, they was crying. And I can remember, boy, they've sinned bad, all them people. And I really thought that. But you know what? If you go up and as a young boy, I can remember God saying to me as a 12-year-old boy, and you go up there and you start getting beside of them, they wasn't crying for themselves. They was asking God to clean their heart out and they was hoping God would take care of their children that was off to war or a kid that was sick or, or, or a mom or somebody that only God could help them. And that, that's, that's what's bothering me. We've, here at this church in the last, golly, I don't know how long, probably the last 35 years and you haven't seen it, we've heard some of the greatest messages we've ever heard in our life. God's word's been just brought forth. And, and, that's, and I'm teaching myself, I've sat right there in that pew and I told the class, or I'm ashamed of myself, but God says, you need to go up there and pray about that. And I sat right there in that chair. And God had convicted me about something and I didn't do it. And we got so much to pray for. We got our little children, and our teenagers, and man, they're facing things we never faced. And we need to pray. We need to ask God to convict our hearts. Convict us, Lord, to pray for our church. We may face some things in the future we don't even know yet. Our government hates us. I'm just being honest with you. They're going to do everything in the world they can. But I don't want to be positive tonight on this, this detour of conviction. When God says, I want you to stop, and I want you to go down this road. Oh, it ain't easy, it's tough. We see Daniel in chapter 1, and you'll have to forgive me if I don't pronounce all these names right, but I'll do my best. We see the first detour in Daniel's life right here. He said, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Judah, under Jerusalem, and he besieged it. He took it. He went in there and took it. God led him. He said, And the Lord gave it to him. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his gods. He brought the vessel into the treasure house of his gods. And, he, and the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children, look at that word, children, in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful. I, I'm going to stop there for just a second. The first thing he done, he was he they took our youth. The first thing you see right here, they took the youth. That's what our government's doing. That's what Satan's doing. He's taking our youth. He's taking our youth. Now, I believe old Daniel was raised in a home of conviction and prayer, and you're going to see it in his life right here. I believe somebody before him. He, he, I just believe that. But anyway, he said, in, the, in cunning and knowledge and understanding, science and such, he had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. And he said, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing the three years that at the end there they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, and unto the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and of Hananiah, and Shadrach, to Michelle, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And I want you to look at this, this first detour in Daniel's life. I told the class Sunday, I was thinking about 
uh, Josh and Kendra's little boy and, and Joe and Jennifer's little boy, and I, I, I was thinking about these little old boys in the church as I went around, and, 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 and they come and they took them out away from their home. And I thought, man, what a detour in life. They didn't even know. Here they was, uh, young, young in life, and they was took. They was took. And they were set somewhere where they didn't know where they was going to be. They didn't understand. They went from, a, a, I believe, a godly place to a wicked place right off the bat. I believe it changed like from daylight to dark as you read it right here. But you see something Daniel done through conviction. And I believe this conviction may have come from a grandparent or a parent. I really don't know. But I want to read the next two verses and then we're going to move on to chapter 6. The first detour I see here of conviction in Daniel's life. He says, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. I'm not doing it. Now, I'm going to stop right here as we read this next. You grandparents, sometimes, and you are the best grandparents I know. There ain't a, ain't a lady in here I wouldn't let my girls go home with. And I mean that. And I believe ain't a lady in here that ain't prayed for my children. And I believe that. But I'm going to say something. Sometimes we don't get caught up, and we're going to look at prior here in a minute. But as grandparents, we feel like we've got to give them everything. Because somebody else done it, we've got to do it. it may, you know, I think about back when I was a boy, my grandpa loved me, and he didn't care if I liked it or not. That's just the way he was. He loved me, but he didn't care. He didn't care if I really liked it or not. There certain things I wouldn't do in his house. I could do it, Mom and Dad's, but you couldn't do it, Grandpa's. He had some convictions. Son, if he was down praying and reading his Bible, you didn't speak. Well, there was consequences. That was his time. My grandmother, I know she gets so mad, but, but that was his time. He had some convictions. I remember us as boys, and I, I'm going to stop right here. We see Daniel, but I can remember my grandpa and my grandmother. If the phone rung while they was having time of prayer... You didn't answer it. They didn't care who it was. I remember people knocking on the door. They didn't answer the door. They got done. That was their time. They was convicted during that time. They believed that them and God at that time was getting together, and that's all that mattered. That's all that mattered in their life. They was convicted of it. We see Daniel right here. He says, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. Daniel, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. I'm not doing it. I don't care if everybody else in this whole world does it, I'm not doing it. And I think that's the convicted heart we ought to have. If God says it ain't right, don't do it. And you know if it's right or not. I don't have to tell you. God's convicted me some things in my life. I'm going to tell you one right now, this jacket. Man, I wouldn't wear a jacket and a tie for nothing. You know, when I first come to church here, I wore blue jeans, cowboy boots, and a, and a shirt. And I'm going to be honest with you, I hate to say this, but I thought the only people that wore coats and ties was preachers and lawyers and sissies. And I said, I ain't being no sissy because I ain't no lawyer or no preacher. But you know what God done? He convicted me of it. He said, Chad, I believe I want you to do this. So you know what I done one Sunday? I had to get Brother John Bradley at the old church show me how to tie a tie. I never wore one. 
My mom bought me one that clipped on. Like, it was too little. It probably come up to there if I still had it. That's how long it had been. And I'm not saying that's you. I don't think that. To me. I'm just telling you what God had done in my life. He convicted me. So I said, I wore it one Sunday, and guess what my wife done? She went and bought me two ties and a coat. I said, Lord, have mercy. I thought I was going to get out of it. Just a one-time deal. But it didn't work that way. But God had convicted me of something. Now, I'm not saying anybody in there has to do that, because I don't expect you to. If God wouldn't have convicted me of it, I wouldn't have never worn one. But I'm just saying that's me. And I could go on. The class knows my heart and some of the things it did. But I, Daniel said, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. Grandparents in here tonight, don't do what all other grandparents is doing. Don't do it. Be different. There's something about your house. You go into one of your old saints of God, the, the smell's different. The Holy Spirit's just there. You can feel it. You can come into some of our young mother uh, couples' houses and it's chaos. Kids running everywhere. Dad's hollering, be quiet. Mom's saying, be quiet. That's just the way it is. But you go to one of these old dear saints of God and it's, there's just a calmness. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I can remember that conviction. Don't be like all you parents. Don't be like every other parent. Don't, don't do this. Don't say, boy, I think my kid's going to get behind if I don't do this. Or my kid's going to get left out. If God's convict you of it, don't do it. It ain't for you. It's for them. That's what I want us to look at tonight. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6. If God will help us, we'll be done shortly, I promise. I've got a bunch of notes, but I'm going to skip them. I'm going to skip them. I'm going to try to get through this. Daniel chapter 6, we see the conviction of prayer. And that's where I really want to start tonight. Conviction of prayer. Man, what a day we need prayer. I'm going to turn over there, and I'm going to start right here in chapter 6. We see Daniel, the detour in his life is signed. You see him going from uh, a great place, I believe, in his home to, to the king's place where it was wicked. Then you see God do a great work in his life. He, he, God lets him reveal a dream, and God puts him in a high place. Second in charge of a whole nation. Second in charge. That detour life, he's, he's going down this road, it's smooth, and then boom, it's awful. He's in this place, he don't know if he's going to live or die, but he says, God, I'm not doing what everybody else does. And God says, okay, Daniel, I believe through your obedience, and, and, and I'm going to get the victory out of this one day, I'm going to put you number two. Number two. We see it right here. Let's go to chapter six. It said, it pleased, Darius, in verse one, to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these uh, three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. He was first. So you see another detour in Daniel's life right here. He goes from the bottom to the top. And I believe it's through obedience. And God says, I'm going to use this old boy when he gets there. And you're getting ready to see it. Let's flip over. I believe it's verse 10, if God will help us. I wrote down some things right here. I might read you. Uh, in verse 7, we'll start right there. You see Daniel right here. He, he knows what, what the writing said. And, and you see the presidents and the governors and all these people. They're against him. He's for God and they're not. And he, he's, I believe he's changing the country. I, I believe these people noticing what he's doing. And I believe uh, these people, they, uh, the president, sheriffs, and all these, they, they, they hated Daniel. And you start seeing them, they start writing up a petition, they give it to the king. He said in verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom 
and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal, a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever asks a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Said, uh, if we catch anybody else praying or we get, catch anybody else get, uh, doing anything to this king besides him uh, giving him the glory, guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw him in the den of lions. Well, Daniel, no, let's go down to verse 10. Well, Daniel knew, he said, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did he do? What most of us do? I'll tell you what most of us do, old Chad Tipton will do. I guarantee it. God didn't help me, didn't give me strength and put it in my heart. I'd run right out there and I'd bow down beside that statue. But God would have to give me that strength. God would have to convict my heart of it and say, Chad Tipton, you better not do that. I'll kill you. You won't have to worry about going to the den of lions. I'll take care of you. That's my thought, I thought, Daniel, that, that convicting thought. You know, our old world right now is saying, you better do this. If you don't do this, I, uh, I may take your job. Man, it may come to that, Brother Jerry. If, Chad, if you don't do this, you ain't going to have a job at state. Well, if God told me not to do it, I can't do it. I believe God, he takes care of us, not the state. The government don't take care of us, God does. That's what we get so wrong. That's where Daniel recognized God took care of me, not the kingdom, not Nebuchadnezzar, but God. He took care of me back when I was a child when I didn't know what I was doing. God took care of me. He detoured my life and he, and he put me in a wicked place and he put me number one. And then you see Daniel saying, I may have to go to the lines then. Let's, let's read on a minute. It's conviction. Daniel knew that the writing was signed. So he went into his house and his window was open in his chamber toward heaven or toward Jerusalem. I thought about that opening his windows. I don't believe he's doing it to brag. I believe sometime when he got excited, he stuck his head out the window and said, Thank you, Lord. I believe that's why he opened his windows. He may have got excited and hit his head on the window. I don't know, but I believe that's why he opened it. I believe he would open it so he could step it out and say, God, just let me look up into the heavens. Thank you for what you've done for me. You're in control, God. You're bigger than the king. You see him. Let's, let's read on down. He said, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and did a four time. I'm going to read you something I wrote down. I'm going to have to turn over just a minute. Number one, the conviction of prayer. Conviction of prayer. I, uh, I wrote down a few things. Uh, praying for the family. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I told you about my grandparents being convicted and, and I'd seen the old saints of God they'd, they'd get convicted and they just call each other I'd be at home and I can remember the phone ringing and they'd go meet someone and just pray about something they'd say uh, that old drunkard down the road uh, he's under conviction we need to go pray for him right now and they'd drop what they was doing and, and, and they'd go pray they was praying they believed that God was the only one that could help that man and I, I remember little things like that, the conviction of the older people. And, and, and I don't mean that to say lightly because I know you pray. I, I know this is a praying this church. I know of. But I'm just saying my own heart convicted about praying, about praying for people. There's a little old boy got saved this week and got hurt the thing, and we've been praying for him. He's in Bible school with us. Brother Mark got to lead him to the Lord. Brother Isaac, I remember God just being, he's under conviction. 
And I thank God for that. But I, I think about just the prayers of the older people, the older saints. And, and, and they was under such conviction about praying. And, and you see Daniel here. Uh, you know, the writing sign, you're going to the lines then if you do this. But he don't, he don't, he, he's convicted. He says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. He opens up his windows and he prays. We see it here and he gives thanks. I wrote this down. We see Daniel consistently praying. You know, sometimes the only time I pray, Brother Joe, when something goes wrong, then I start praying. But that ain't what Daniel done. It said a four time. Before all this come about, he was praying. He was praying. He's convicted about it. A four time he was praying. He didn't wait till the king said, if this happens, I'm going to throw you in the lion's den. He said, no, he, he, this is a four time. He'd been doing this. He's consistently in it. It wasn't a habit. It wasn't a habit. It was consistently praying. He knew he needed God. I know we need God. He gave a commitment to himself in prayer three times a day. Uh, we need to be consistent in prayer. We see Daniel consistently spending time with God. Then the next thing is the conviction. We see Daniel talking to God, and we see Daniel consistently giving thanks to God. But Jerry, I'm terrible about this. God's good to me every day. He's good to me every day. Daniel had a convicting heart about giving thanks, praying. I don't know how much farther we're going to get in this lesson. I keep waiting for my wife to raise her hand and tell me we're about done, which we are. It's about 7.50. We're going to stop a minute and pray. But do we consistently thank God for all that he's done? He gave us his son Jesus. He gave us eternal hope. We see all the blessings God has done for us. We can't consistently thank him. You know, God does something great for me. I, I say, Lord, thank you for it. I'm selfish. I don't give thanks like I should. I don't. Man, God's been good to me. More than I deserve. Man, he's blessed me with a great home, a great wife, a great heritage. My children I love. My church. I think about them little old families in the Philippines right now. Brother Tommy, they can't do what we're doing tonight. Kids can't even get out in the yard and play. We can come and worship together. Our children's at a camp meeting, 4,000 of them tonight. Man, what a blessing. God's moving in this place and saving souls. People coming, visitors. God's blessing. Man, what a time. We can't quit praying. We can't take it for granted because God's blessing. That just... I don't know, it, it, maybe it just worries me because sometimes I get caught up in a rut and God's good to me and I just forget about it. Say, Lord, forgive me. I catch myself. I'm going to give you one more thing in verse 10 again. We, need, we see Daniel conviction of prayer no matter the circumstance. He was praying in the king's house. He's praying going to the lion's den. Man, that's a thought. He was praying in the king's house. Now he's praying going to the lion's den. Circumstance didn't change his conviction. Sometimes we let circumstances change our convictions. Sometimes we let circumstances change our convictions. 
And I'm teaching myself tonight. And I hope I've not been maybe too hard or I've said anything to hurt nobody. I wouldn't do that for nothing. You just know I love you. But if anybody needs your prayers tonight, that couple's class needs your prayers tonight. They're raising their children in a wicked world. These moms and dads and these raising these babies, they need your prayers tonight. And if you would pray and ask God, say, God, would you convict my heart and let me pray for these children in this church. Let me pray for these babies and this, this daycare that's getting ready to start maybe and, and, and pray for all that's going on. Pray for the pastor that God would give him wisdom. God, convict my heart of it. Let me pray for that. Let me get up in the morning and the first thing that thought you bring to my, my heart is just to get down on my knees and pray. No matter the circumstances tonight, we see Daniel. Trust him no matter the circumstance. I know we get concerned about everything going on and we forget to pray or maybe a great need comes up. You know, I try to handle it myself instead of going to prayer. Daniel could have run down there to the king and said, King, you can do something about it. No, he didn't do that. He just kept praying. He was number two. He said, God. He could have run down there and said, Nebuchadnezzar, now listen, I just give you a dream. You don't have to do this. He could have done that, but he didn't. He just kept praying. Just kept praying. I didn't get through half of it, but it's probably a good thing. I just, I know I rambled on, but I wrote this at the conclusion of this little lesson. I said, I've come to the point in my life where I really want to be a better servant. God convict me of just being a better servant. Whatever it is here, just to serve him, it don't matter. Just convict my heart of it. Show me, Lord. A better husband, a better dad, a better friend, a better co-worker, etc. Just in my life. And God convicts me of something and tells me to go a detour, I don't want to miss it. I have to respond to the Lord, yes. And that's the thing tonight. I want us to just respond in this lesson as Daniel did in prayer.